0: On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I got a chance to chat with Wiley Robinson from Rumple. They're a blanket company. They've absolutely exploded. You may have seen them in stores or online. Uh, just an absolutely great company and an awesome founder. We actually talked about one thing that I think you guys will find really interesting and something we haven't talked about before on this podcast, and that's about either taking on really expensive debt versus, for them, it was a series A round funding. And He walked through his decision, and then he walked through how he actually went out and got that funding. Uh, they raised about uh, $4 million, so you know, it wasn't the small amount of money that they raised. And maybe for some of you guys, that's a really good decision. Uh, we talked about the pros and cons of that, and then just a bunch of other stuff. I think you guys are going to get a lot out of this one. At Mindful Marketing, we know that you want your brand to be successful. In order to do that though, you need to predictably acquire new customers. The problem is Facebook and Google are only getting more expensive, which makes you feel unsure of whether your brand will survive. We believe that building a community of loyal and repeat customers is the answer. We understand how hard it is to predictably grow a brand, which is why we have created a system using our own mid-seven-figure e-commerce brand as a test case. And here's how we do it. Number one, we execute a profitable ads strategy. Number two, we build a brand-owned loyal base of repeat customers. And number three, we grow exponentially predictably and consistently so download our free sales launch checklist at mindfulmarketing.co slash slc so you can stop having sales the bomb and instead grow your revenue predictably and exponentially all right i'm here with wiley robinson from rumple wiley welcome to secrets to scaling your e-commerce brand thanks so much for having me yeah, it's great. It's great. I love seeing in the background there. We talked a little bit before. I can I can see the same kind of trees that I have, like right outside my door here. So I know that we're on the same coast.
1: <laughs> yep, yep. We're based in Portland, Oregon. So <laughs> northwest.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome. For people who don't know you or don't know about your brand, can you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do?
1: Sure. My name is Wiley Robinson. I'm the founder and CEO of Rumple. Rumple is a company that aims to upgrade blankets through uh, technical materials that you typically find in outdoor gear and active wear.
0: Okay. So are these blankets like people have at home or blankets that they take out with like out on adventures or like what's your target demo?
1: Yeah. So it's both, you know, really anybody that could be a viable rumple consumer is somebody that understands and appreciates the value that technical materials bring. So, you know, you see people uh, growing grocery shopping in puffer jackets because the materials work better. It's more cozy. It's uh, more versatile in a variety of different temperatures and conditions. That's pretty much the same philosophy we have about our blankets.
0: Okay, gotcha. Is this something somebody would like cuddle up with at home or? Oh, yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Mm Okay. Okay, nice. Definitely on the couch, you know, patio, deck, backyard, sort of indoor, outdoor
0: for sure. Okay. So I haven't told you to send me one yet or haven't asked you to send me <laughs> one yet. I want one for people actually might not know this. who listen to the podcast or watch it on YouTube, but uh, I'm actually obsessed with blankets. I come home with blankets all the time. My wife and I have had this like fight recently, like a literal fight because she's like, you buy too many blankets. You need to choose three of them that we're going to donate. And I'm like, okay. no, I'm just, I'm always on the search for the perfect blanket Little
1: question to that. You said you're obsessed with blankets. You bought tons of them. Can you name three bl- three brands of blankets?
0: Nothing. Well, I the only one that I could name is Hush, but I've never bought them okay. before. I'm just buddies with him on LinkedIn. <laughs> like...
1: Okay. We, we haven't even really gotten to this yet, but this is a great segue into Rumpel's mission. And Rumpel's mission is to introduce the world to better blankets. And I've sort of articulated the better part of it with the material story that we're trying to convey. But the key piece of that mission statement is introduce. And what's so weird about this category is it's like a super emotive category, right? Like you wrap up in a blanket to feel warm and cozy and safe. You've self-described yourself. You spend yourself so as, much time. As, exactly. How much time exactly. do you spend in a
0: blanket? Like I love blankets.
1: At least half your life. Yeah. At least.
0: Seriously. <laughs> and, yes. <laughs> and
1: I know. I know. And despite during COVID, this fact, even
0: more. Three quarters of your life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got my trusty blanket right here.
1: <laughs> there you go. And despite this fact, you spend so much time with one. It's such an emotive product category very few people can name a single brand of blanket, And so part of what we're trying to do is just elevate the category in the minds of consumers and especially connect with consumers in this emotional way because the product category already elicits this. So it's just this really crazy disparity between you know brands owning this experience and the experience that consumers are naturally having with the product category.
0: Totally, yeah, 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 yeah. Now that I think about it, it's like I never think of a brand of blanket. Like that's just not something, totally. I think of it as just like, essentially just like a household good that I just need to have, yeah. but there's no like branding yeah. behind it. And we are like, I mean, if anyone knows anything about myself, I am obsessive about brand. I hate selling products, right? Just products, mm-hmm. like who cares? But brands have this whole life to themselves, right? Because you are not pigeonholed as Rumple into just blankets, mm-hmm. right? Like you could yeah, easily right. pivot into other things because of it being A brand let's talk about when you sort of knew that this was actually going to be a thing like did you start out with like vc money or was this bootstrap
1: no we we actually started with a kickstarter so some sort of hybrid of that which you know we basically pre-sold a bunch of units we launched the company at the end of 2013. The Kickstarter started in December of 2013, and we we did about a quarter million dollars in 30 days in sales. Awesome! What so was that your really goal? got us off the ground. Twenty thousand.
0: <laughs> no way. <laughs> so we, we hit ten way. times
1: our goal. Yeah. No way. It was a big oh Kickstarter. My gosh. Yep.
0: Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Okay. So yeah, you started that, with the that Kickstarter. Was wild.
1: Mm-hmm. And then where yeah, did where did we, it go from there? Yes. We ran, you know, just sort of self-funding it for about two years. Then we did a small friends and family round. And that, you know, allowed me and my, my co-founder to pay ourselves. Uh, we hired two employees, but we've really been like pretty diligent about growing profitably. So using awesome. profits generated by the business to fund our own growth. We did raise a seed, or excuse me, an A round in 2018, but that was really to accelerate growth. So, you know, from 2014 to 2018, it was largely fueled by profits generated from the company.
0: What did that feel like? Raising money like that after being bootstrapped, I can imagine that might like, is that hard as a founder to give up a portion of your company and then have to report back to them. Like, what is that process like?
1: Yeah, uh, great question. I mean, there's mixed emotions for sure. You know, you're excited that you have runway and a cushion and a net, safety net, but you also have higher expectations of you you know, you're not necessarily your own boss anymore. I mean, I still sit on the board of Rumpel. I'm still the majority shareholder in Rumpel, but there are others that I have to sort of answer to. If any of our shareholders, you know, write me an email asking a, a tough question, it's like, I have to get back to them. So there's a lot of mixed emotions. I mean, you know, we, I, I did give up some ownership in the company, but again, it, it, it bought comfort and it bought runway and it bought a safety net. If we made errors or we wanted to do some tests or experiments, which is, sort of its own benefit and overall it's been a really positive experience we're we're lucky to have really patient and nurturing investors this is the first company i've ever i've ever started and i've been very transparent with them about that you know definitely some anxieties about certain growth stages some fears just lack of knowledge through a lot of the phases that we've gone through and they've really helped so it's a really good group of investors
0: that we have Oh, that's great. So people who listen to this podcast, generally, the ones who reach out to me, at least are kind of that mid seven figure kind of getting into the eight figure sort of range. So I think we're all mm-hmm. kind of going through a lot of these sort of growth issues, right, where you need a lot of money to continue, especially with a physical product company, right, mm-hmm. to continue on and then getting into product development and all that stuff. Did you weigh when you were looking at and I'm I'm sure you did? Did you weigh you know, higher interest financing versus bringing on investors? Was there some kind of measurement there between those?
1: Let's take a quick break.
0: Hey guys, just a quick note from me. You know, if the beginning of this year has been absolutely brutal for ads, you are not alone. There's a lot of people out there that are absolutely struggling. Now we have not been seeing nearly the carnage that a lot of you out there have been seeing at Growth Commerce. And so I put together this master document. It took me hours upon hours to put together for you guys. And I want to give it to you guys for absolutely free. And so this walks through the three big fixes that we're seeing to fix your Facebook ad account. And 2024. And I really do think that this is the way, again, we're not seeing those issues barely at all in any of the accounts. And we handle a lot of accounts between the brands that I own, between everyone else that we work with at AppGrowth Commerce. We're just not seeing those same issues that a lot of people are seeing. And so I've identified these three huge buckets and I've got a master document that walks through all of that. So if you guys want to go to www.appgrowthcommerce.com ad problems. That's upgrowthcommerce.com slash ad problems and download the resource from there. I think that you guys are going to get a ton from this document and hopefully be able to turn your ad account around. Now, remember, if this is not an issue for you, that's totally okay. (laughs) But if you are having issues with your ad account in 2024, I highly recommend going and downloading that resource. Again, upgrowthcommerce.com slash ad problems. Now back to today's episode. Yeah,
1: we definitely looked at, at some of those options. The challenge with a lot of those alternative lending options is you need to collateralize it. And you need to collateralize it either personally, which I'm unable to do, or, you know, through your AR or your inventory or some other means that, you know, ensures that the lender has some security there. And we just didn't have enough to collateralize with the amount of money that we wanted to raise. Yeah. You know, about 4 million bucks in, in our series A. And we just didn't have that much collateral to look at alternative lending sources. So we looked at them. It's also expensive money. You know, I mean, in a it's lot of cases you're talking, money. it's obviously not as expensive as equity, but it's still, you know, you're you're obligated to pay back with interest. And that just was a route that we didn't choose to pursue at the time.
0: Yeah. Okay, that's great. And I really don't think there's no judgment from me. Like, I'm just really yeah, interested yeah. to see the, the sort of like decision-making that goes into this because I think that there's a lot of people Mm -hmm. at that phase where it's like hey I really could use an extra two million dollars right now for this Mm -hmm. particular project and you know you may not especially like the founders who have you know grown up maybe not like owning houses not able to like you know and their business doesn't own their warehouse or any of that kind of stuff right where it's like where do I find the collateral for this (laughs) right Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. yeah and then what am I going to do go to Clearbank or something and pay, you
1: know, 35% like. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we, we were fortunate in that we had good financial results. Our round was oversubscribed, so we had to reduce the amount that certain investors came in and we were able to sort of pick and choose who we brought into the group. But the lead investor in our A round was White Road Investments. That is represented by Cliff Bar. So it's very well aligned in terms of outdoor oh, cool. industry background, just expertise that, that they bring to the table. And they're they are sort of like the nurturing group that I was describing before really founder friendly. And we just like working with them. Um, They they have a seat on our board. And it's just been a good relationship.
0: That's awesome. It's so good to find people who align with your values like that too. Right. And even like align industry wise with you. Can I ask how did you guys decide on like, did you have to go through like an agency or how did that work when you were starting to raise funds like that?
1: I mean, honestly, that was largely just me going and doing it. I, so just I tried as endorse- hard as possible, pretty much. I mean, not literally knocking out doors, but yeah, emailing yeah, yeah. a lot of people <laughs> and, you know, building <laughs> networks and, and uh, just kind of putting it out there that Rumpel was looking for money. I shared that we had some good financial results to stand on in our pitches, which was really helpful in generating interest. But, you know, I largely tried to insulate the broader team from the raise activity. Obviously, a lot of people had to come in and contribute data or reports or whatever it might be when we were actually in diligence with some of these investors, but I really tried to do as much of the raises as I could by myself sort of as my own side project and let the broader team run the business yeah. while I was doing that. You know, successful to some degree. I mean, it, it certain I certainly pull people out of their their day job periodically to help with this, but it's a little bit of a lonely process, honestly, going under sole owner of the company.
0: Hey guys, do you want the checklist that helped me generate $250,000 of e commerce sales in 24 hours? If so, we're giving it away for free at mindfulmarketing.co slash SLC download that today. Yeah, for sure. It's interesting because, you know, one of the main roles of CEO of of a brand and, you know, lots of us, Growing up, we didn't get CEO training, right? We didn't, like as founders, (laughs) we didn't get, you know, most of the founders and CEOs that that I talk to are probably better off because of that, right? Because they don't know the rules, right? They don't know what to do, you know, exactly as a CEO. But one of the main roles is, you know, being uh, that outward facing person And raising money is one of those roles. So that's why I'm so interested in this because a lot of brands haven't gotten there. I was talking to you before, I'm working on two really strategic acquisitions that are gonna work really well together. And I think a long-term play of that is starting to raise funds, right? When you have those. But it's one of those things that, again, there's not a, a massive rule book for, right?
1: like definitely not and and there's a huge variety of types of ceos there are certainly ceos that are way more operationally driven you know really focused on the numbers i am not that type of ceo i'm definitely more sort of consumer facing like thinking a lot about what the brand is doing, you know, from a product and a messaging and a voice and creative standpoint. And there's no right or wrong answer, you know, I think that you can see success and, and many examples of success with both types and a million other types as well. You know, there's super product focused CEOs. Yeah. And so yeah, there's no rule book, there's no playbook, you can find success with all types, I think.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I love that. I think the biggest thing to note is that if you're not that person, right, if you're not that you know, customer marketing focused CEO, you got to find people who are Right. you got to fill oh, yeah. those gaps. Right. And figure out, you know, from uh, like looking at yourself in the mirror and figuring out like, well, where do I need to add in? Right. That I'm, that I'm lacking. So it's really great to hear that you have that sort of self-awareness and that transparency. Like to me, man, yeah. those are like two of my core values as a person, right. Is self-awareness and transparency. And so I love seeing that. That makes me so happy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, well, it's, I mean, it's key to, to being successful is identifying what you're not good at. I mean, first person, one of the first people that we hired, actually, I think he actually was the first person we hired. Is, is now our vice president of operations and he handles pretty much everything that the customer doesn't see and a number of things the customer does see but uh it was you know i knew right away that like this is not my sweet spot and i need help here so that was one of the first people we look for that's great what does the yeah.
0: next couple of years look like for you guys
1: so yeah i mean tough question there's a lot of different growth strategies that we're looking at the first is really continuing to expand distribution of kind of our core product offering you know and we is make that this through kind
0: wholesale? Of- Distribution, Wholesale, direct, like direct uh,
1: international expansion, you know, some interesting new sales channels that we're bringing online this year. Um, we're going to be entering the sports licensing space this year in a pretty oh, material way, which is going to be interesting. That.
0: Are you having any of those conversations right now? Like, can oh, you yeah. dive into, yeah. like, you don't have to say specific names, uh, probably because of NDAs, but like, I'd love to just for five minutes, just humor me and talk about licensing because I... <laughs> Love what an awesome lever to pull, right? Yeah,
1: so I mean, we it started because the product we make, our core product, the original puppy blanket, is like perfectly suited for stadiums and using oh, at okay. games. You know, if you if yeah. you go to a game and it gets cold, this is like a really packable, durable, weatherproof blanket that you can bring with you. Yeah. So we just thought, okay, this, this is going to deliver a good customer experience, and then we have a really good relationship with our supply chain setup where we basically use the same call it a chassis, you know, the same form factor for each of our each of our blankets and we print new designs on them through digital oh, okay. printing. Nice, so nice. we're okay. able to just leverage art in a really major way. And we can take, you know, team franchise logos and art and just print it red on the product. And then it becomes like, you know, totally endemic to that group of fans and the use case is perfect in stadium. So we're going to be, we're going to be introducing with two leagues. One is a pro league that I won't share quite yet, but um, the other is just NCAA kind of top 15 schools that we want to target. And that's kind of how we'll roll it out. And if it goes to successful will expand into new leagues.
0: Awesome. Awesome. It's so great. If if any of you were thinking right now about ways, like some growth levers, licensing is an incredible one to do again. So I run a a mastermind as well for for e-com store owners. And I've talked with all of our members about licensing and they've done all these deals. Nobody has a playbook for it. It's just like, you just got to send emails. You got to call people. Like, did you find anything that was like, like a bit more of like an easy button to find these people?
1: Not really. I mean, I tried going on Shark Tank because I thought that would be a really easy button is to talk to Mark Cuban or someone like that and get a fast track to the key bearers of some of these leagues and licenses, which that's a whole nother thing we can talk about. But you're right. You know, it's like a super nuanced sales channel. There's a lot of people touching the product and taking slices out of your margin along the way. You know, you have league minimums that you're responsible for, uh, Uh, contributing to, and you have to keep all of your art, you know, up to date and everything. So it's, it's actually a pretty big undertaking to expand into sports licensing, but you know, the use case in our case is, is perfect. And we think that it's going to reach a lot of new consumers in doing this. We're making a time investment.
0: Yeah. 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 yeah, Totally. Totally worthwhile as as a long-term strategy and especially raising some cash like that, right. Where now you've got the ability to get into markets like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. 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 It just sounds like, like good leverage to me. Totally.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a big market too. We've heard in our sort of uh, service level research that with a lot of in-person events being canceled due to COVID in the last 12 months, a lot of leagues are depending a lot more on merchandised sales. And so it becomes a bigger strategy for the leagues to actually generate some of that revenue that they're losing because of ticket sales. So it's a good opportunity for us to enter the space with a premium product.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Uh, Wiley, I got to ask you the question. I ask everybody who comes in this podcast, what is your secret to scaling?
1: For Rumpel, our secret has been focus. You know, when you start a company, there's so many different directions you go, you're, you can go, you're still trying to figure out your footing and what you stand for as a brand. When we launched, you know, people would ask us all the time, are you guys going to make sleeping bags and tents and backpacks and all this stuff? And we stayed just myopically focused on blankets. Mm-hmm. And that is, in many ways has allowed us to really lead in this new emerging category because we can go the broadest with our print assortment. And additionally, you know, I think focus shows to consumers that you're really committed to something and you, you know, likely have put the most thought and energy into it and thus probably have the best product. So we look, we love to look at companies like, you know, Yeti or Hydroflask or Stance as examples of companies that have been really focused on a largely singular product category and just been leaders in that innovated sort of around that category, but not extended yourself too broadly. So for us, that's been the real key, I think. Focus. Cool.
0: Cool. Yeah, that's great. Wonderful. We're going to move on to our lightning round here, Wiley. All hope right. You are ready.
1: I hope I am too.
0: <laughs> All right. What's your favorite tool or app that you're using right now?
1: I hope this isn't too generic of an answer, but it's got to be Shopify. We created our site super quickly and the fees are totally reasonable with Shopify and it's allowed us to really get our business off the ground.
0: Imagine a world without Shopify. I know. We'd we'd, we'd
1: all have to, you know, learn how to write code and the designs of sites would suck and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> It'd be really hard. Like
0: all of these things that it's like, oh, I kind of want to do this one little thing. And yep. like, just go to the app store and yep. purchase an app to plug in. Or like, we've got a great development agency that we work with now for our clothing companies. And it's just like, it's Shopify is incredible. Absolutely Yeah, it's incredible. totally game
1: changing. Totally. Yeah. And I think it's going to become something that more people leverage, you know, now that there's more opportunity to start your own business with current market conditions and things like that. I think a lot of people, you know, if they're not in a work situation that they're really liking, or maybe they've been laid off due to COVID or something, like you generally see businesses emerge during recessions. And so Mm -hmm. I think Shopify's network and universe will still continue to expand with more tools and plugins that bolt on.
0: Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, it's still just the beginning, right? And they're going to be going after parts of Amazon's business. And I'm just so proud as a Canadian, I love (laughs) to see how well Shopify is done. We have some really incredible people up here in Canada just doing great things. So
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Love Shopify.
0: (laughs) Somebody corrected me and they're like, well, you know, the founder was actually German or (laughs) or something. I'm like, well, it was it's their head office is in Ottawa. So yeah, yeah. close'll take it. <laughs> Favorite podcast or audiobook that you're listening to.
1: Definitely not business related. So I don't know how relevant this is to your listeners, but Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend is my go-to podcast. I listen to that in the car all the time. I just find him hilarious and just tons of energy. I love listening to that podcast.
0: I did not even know that he had a podcast. I'm going to throw that in my... Oh, it's like
1: top five on Apple podcasts. Yeah, it's it's a big deal. (laughs) Oh
0: man, I'm just like stuck in my lane right now with podcasts. So we were actually, we were talking about this the other day that there just needs to be a better podcast discovery system out there.
1: I agree. I agree. Could you imagine if there was like a good recommendation engine like Spotify has built for podcasts. That would totally. Be
0: cool. yeah. 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 Like even if you could like on Apple, you know, as a podcast host, I would pay to advertise as well for certain oh, keywords. Yeah. yeah. Like Absolutely. why do they not have this ability? I, I don't get it. I think
1: it's coming. It's still a pretty new platform. So I think it's coming.
0: I think so too. If you can sit <laughs> down with anybody for an hour, have some coffee, tea, beer, wine, they have to be alive. Who would it be?
1: Can I say Barack Obama? It, it might be a little yes. bit, of an inter, you know, sort of generic answer, but, uh, somebody
0: recently said Donald Trump. So you can, you can go ahead and say Barack (laughs) Obama. I I mean, you know,
1: that would be an interesting (laughs) conversation too, maybe infuriating, but that would certainly be interesting. I think that would be cool. I think that would just be, you know, sort of in, in the presence of really an important figure historically and super culturally relevant. And I just, he seems like a cool guy. I would really like to sit down with Barack Obama.
0: I feel like I've every podcast that he's been on recently on his like digital book tour. I just listened to him. Like, it's just so interesting this person who really shaped our world right like even Canada right like we're really shaped by U.S. policy and it's just so interesting and I think it was refreshing for a lot of people to hear him like hear a voice of reason at the end of all of that coming on and just talking calmly yeah yeah he'd be great I I don't know if you'd be able to to sit down with him though you know like (laughs) I don't
1: know how I access him
0: (laughs) (laughs) And does he still have secret service, you know, like he's got to,
1: I mean, yeah, of course.
0: Yeah. So it wouldn't be a private conversation per se. Probably
1: not. Yeah. I'd be (laughs) tapped.
0: (laughs) Thanks so much for coming on. This was a great conversation. I really enjoyed this. Thank Um, you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah, totally. So where can people find out uh, more about you and Rumpel?
1: Rumpel can be found at Rumpel.com, R U M P lcom You can also find us on Instagram at rumpel, same spelling, and that's probably the best place.
0: Okay, awesome. Connect with you personally anywhere or are you, are you taking connections on LinkedIn?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. LinkedIn, you know, you can actually email me too. It's just Wiley at rumple.com, W-Y-L-I-E. And that's probably the easiest way to get in touch.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, this is so great. Thanks again for your time. Yeah. Thank you. Hey guys, we hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So if you could leave us one on Apple podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing.